you start. <laughs> I thought we had two minutes. Oh, that's okay. I'll, I'll just. I yeah. So. Hmm? All right. Well, um, <coughs> my name's Nancy Duchon, and I'm. Yes. Hello, hello. <coughs> okay. Um, well, good morning. Um, I'm Nancy Duchon, and this is the Father's Church Wisdom Seeker Sunday School class. And um, today we are going to talk about um, the title of my my lesson or teaching is Grace Speech. And um, it's not a speech by any stretch of the imagination. That's just my title. And um, the the way this lesson came about, um, it seems that in um, that suffering has been uh, prevalent among every one of us um, over the past year, and including those in the network. And um, in some form or another, um, people have been experiencing um, suffering. And um, I, th I think it's accurate to say that, that most, most have dealt with some sort of uh, suffering. Um, and because it's been so prevalent, um, this past few weeks I've uh, kept hearing the phrase, he learned obedience by the things he suffered. And um, I have to put these on. So I kept hearing this phrase, he learned obedience by the things he suffered. And we know that no amount of no amount of suffering that any of us have gone through or will ever go through compares to the suffering that Jesus went through in giving his life um, so that we could know the Father and um, because he was obedient even unto death. And some have been martyred for their faith, yes. However, um, none of us has carried the um, the weight of the sin of the world upon us that Jesus carried when he went to the cross. And the first scripture I want to look at is Hebrews 5.8, which says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And if we're going to function as sons, and we are, and we do, then we can expect that there will be suffering. To what degree, we don't know, but in the times that we're living in now, it's going to happen. And oftentimes, suffering is the link between the work that God wants to do in us and the abundant grace that he will use to effect that work. And um, notice what it says in the, in the next verse in 1 Peter 5.10. After you have suffered a while, then the God of all grace will make you perfect, 
establish, strengthen, and settle you. So again, suffering is is going to to come, or you know, we we are going to experience suffering. Even as the perfect, sinless man, the only begotten Son of God, learned valuable lessons through suffering. He experienced the agonies that we may experience as we obey God while living in a rebellious and sinful world. Jesus is the full example of godliness, and we are called to follow him and to be like him. 1 Peter 2.21 reads, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered <coughs> for us. <coughs> Excuse me leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. <clears throat> so if we are willing to walk the path of godliness, then it's just, we just know that there will be suffering. And <clears throat> Second Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, all that, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But if we stay humble, God gives grace to the humble. And Paul is an example here. <clears throat> Excuse me, got a frog. going to end on a good note, I promise you. Um, so Paul is an example um, of God giving grace to the humble. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So Paul experienced not only God's sustaining grace, but he knew that the grace would lead him forward in purpose and who God had called him to be. Remember that grace leads us upward toward the intended goal in order for us to enjoy the peace of the victory of the Lord through our lives. And that's quoting from Pastor's book, Grace and Supplication. Suffering prepares us for God's grace that we may be developed spiritually and we see Jesus as the example of grace developing in our lives. When the Son of God was born into this world as a man, he laid aside his deity. 
in Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Jesus developed as we all should, except he was without sin, and we are not. But he still had to develop as a son, and his development um, included suffering. And according to 2 Peter 3.18, we also are to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so two things that we've looked at so far. Um, first, Jesus exemplified um, the suffering that prepares us for the work of grace in us. And secondly, he demonstrated how God's grace is to develop our lives to lead us upward to his intended goal. So I read a quote um, from Pastor's book, Grace and Supplication, stating that grace leads us upward toward the intended goal in order for us to enjoy the peace of the victory of the Lord through our lives. But I also want us to read the definition of grace or charisse from Lineup Online. A term meaning to joyfully participate in an upward climb of promotion, deliverance, or miraculous accomplishment. It is functioning by, through, and with grace. It will lift the believer from their current place to a higher place in God and continues to advance and promote the believer through every state of development. <clears throat> Grace enables us to move upward from the previous challenges and modes of existence into new places ordained of God. It is what God gives us so we can grow forward, enabling us to partner in the new thing God wants to do. It is a feminine noun, which means it must be embraced and acted upon. Grace requires our investment as it is a progressive relationship between God and man. As we search for God at the throne of grace, we find grace in our time of need. Our time of need is when we recognize we are being called to a fresh positioning of sonship and cannot do it on our own. The root of charis is Cairo, which means to rejoice and is formed from the combination of the visitation of grace and perfect timing. When the enemy is attacking and opposing our walk of faith, we must rejoice exceedingly. To rejoice is an indication of our grasping the timing of the Lord in conjunction with God's hand upon our life. So this is how Jesus developed, and this is how we must develop as sons. It's interesting to me, anyway, that wonder sometimes well I don't wonder I think about it let me put it that way a lot of people believe that Jesus called us to suffer 
Well, he called us to live for him, mm-hmm. knowing that suffering would come as a result. And then our reward for that suffering would be grace. But I don't believe he called us to suffer so that he could give us grace. He called us to live for him, knowing that suffering would come as a result. And um, it seems to be more of a difference than you can put in words. Mm -hmm. Uh, That the suffering is the the result of how we live and why we live, the way that we live. I agree. Um, I don't believe that, I believe that just suffering comes because we are obedient to the Lord. And um, I don't think, you know, that he just intentionally causes things to happen so that we suffer. Uh, That's not the God we serve. But because we serve him, because of the fall, we suffer. Because the enemy of our soul is is fighting our relationship to the Lord. And so he's going to do things that would... Yeah, and, I, and I've even heard people say, God has called me to suffer through this, and I'm like, no. <laughs> it's called us to overcome. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. So, so much fun being a son, because you think about, you know, he was the anointed son, and we're called to to walk in the anointing and to receive that anointing, and you don't receive the anointing without the pressing. And the pressing, you know, it's kind of like the decrease. Um, it, it's it, it you know you hope that it presses you, your flesh out you know it presses you to a point where his his power his dunamis can can flow through you otherwise we're functioning in our own way mm-hmm. I guess and so it's perfected through that process it's sanctification you know it's like sanctification um, if if hagiosis something that was ugly and not functioning or and, and turned into something beautiful and functional, there's only, the only way that can happen is through that the pressing and through the, that process. <coughs> so it's so much a part of our identity as sons and as sanctified as saints. Right. You can't escape it, but we shouldn't want to escape it because it's make me holy as you are holy mm-hmm. or however that passage goes. <coughs> And that, that's that's true. Um, <clears throat> we're to be like him, and if we want to truly be like him, then we will. There will be things that we'll suffer, <clears throat> and um, but the Lord gives us the He gives us what we need to overcome <coughs> that suffering. He overcame, so we can overcome. <clears throat> So um, now I want us to consider Jesus' example. He, he's, been, he's our example as to <clears throat> walking as sons <clears throat> and, and seeing the suffering. Um, but he also is our example of grace uh, for our speech. And this is really the, the main thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, <clears throat> and I titled this first part, grace in Jesus' speech. Um, Centuries before Jesus was born, the psalmist prophesied 
that the words of grace would flow from Jesus' mouth. And in Psalm 45, verse 2, it says, Thou art fairer than the ch children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore, God hath blessed thee forever. Grace here is the word grace that we've been looking at. Bless you. The word we've been looking at uh, in the New Testament scriptures is charis, and this word here in the Hebrew is hen. And I know the equivalent of charis in the Old Testament is hesed, but I believe that um, hen is uh, also uh, a comparative to our, our Greek word. Um, it, it carries that same connotation uh, as crease. Blessed here is what we know, we're familiar with, Barak, and it means to bow the knee before a superior and commit to whatever it is the superior wants to do. It is to receive a commissioning, and Jesus received his commissioning from the Father, and um, first grace was poured into his lips, and then he was commissioned. God's grace guided and poured forth through the words of Jesus, setting his speech above that of every other person. Those who listened to him during his time on earth testified to this fact as we see in Luke 4. So Jesus was in Nazareth teaching, and um, he was teaching in the synagogue. And in verse 22, it reads, And all bear, wit bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? So the people of Nazareth wondered at the words of grace that he spoke. Um, but as he continued to speak, they became filled with wrath. And they rejected him and wanted to cast him out of the city. And so, um, and so they did. <laughs> and that's where... Uh, that's this scripture um, in the same passage talks about that you know the prophet was is without honor in his own town, and this is what Jesus was experiencing in here in Nazareth. And um, but a, a distinct aspect of Jesus's words was the the unique authority that the grace imparted. And in Luke 4, 31, it reads, And came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. So Jesus had come down to, Caper to, Caper to Capernaum after he was rejected in Nazareth, and he, um, and he began to teach. And these were astonished um, because his word was with power. He spoke with power and authority. Um, and at one point in Jesus' ministry, um, while he was speaking at the Feast of Tabernacles, Jewish leaders wanted officers to take him into custody 
but they returned to the leaders empty-handed. And in John 7, 45 and 46, it says, Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto him, Why have ye not brought him? And the officers answered, Never spake, never man spake like this man. And so because of uh, all these things, um, there, became, there came a division of the people over Jesus. Does anybody have any comments on that? So now we come to uh, grace for our speech. The Lord intends for the same grace to pour forth when we speak, speech that will edify others and minister grace into their lives. And in Colossians 4, 6, it says, Let your speech always be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. And during our feasts, uh, or during our fasts of feasting, Pastor reminds us to be careful of our words during those fasts. And um, for quite a while now, I've been on somewhat of a journey where the Spirit causes me to pause before I speak, and it's, it's almost like he's had his, he has a pause button, and um, I'll, I'll start to say something, and it's like um, he hits that button. And I'm not talking about uh, bad or awful things that we might say, you know, that Just might... Well, he punches, he pushes that button, let me tell you. Um, but uh, complaining, for instance, um, you know, it's easy to, to want to say something when, when, when you've been treated unfairly in the workplace or, or, you know, things like that, things that just happen every day. And, you know, you, you just want, might want to voice something and it's like the Lord's just been hitting that pause button and saying, don't, don't go there. And, uh, but that's not the only time that, um, that he hits that pause button for me. Uh, sometimes he'll speak something to me and uh, I'll start to share it with somebody. And it's like he hits that pause button. And, and it's because that whatever it is, it's not to be shared at that time, at that moment. Um, and then other times, I feel like he doesn't want me to say something because the enemy doesn't know everything. And when the Lord speaks something to our hearts, we are the only ones who know what he said. And uh, sometimes what he's spoken needs to be developed before it can be shared. And um, I'm sure all of us have heard the phrase, the, the um, expression, loose, li loose lips sink ships. And sometimes, you know, I, the Lord will share something and, and, and I'll start to, to, to say it, mention it to somebody. And it's like he just 
punches that button and says, not now, or, you know, maybe not ever, but it's just between me and him. And um, so sometimes we hold something in our heart that he's spoken that we might later uh, be able to share, but um, a lot of times it's, you know, things that are between him and us he uh, just wants us to hold in our hearts and, and uh, keep. But looking back at Colossians 4, 6, um, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how to answer every man. Um, Vine's definition of salt is this, and I put this on your handout. Um, my throat is very dry. So Vine's definition of salt, metaphorically of believers, of their character and condition, of wisdom exhibited in their speech, being possessed of purifying, perpetu perpetuating, and antiseptic qualities, qualities, salt became emblematic of fidelity and friendship among the Arabs. So in scripture, it is an emblem of the covenant between God and his people. Numbers 18 and verse 19. All the heave offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer unto the Lord have I given thee, and thy sons and thy daughters with thee, by a statute, statute forever. A it is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord unto thee and to thy seed with thee. Second Chronicles 13:5. Ought ye not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over Israel to David forever, even to him and to his son by a covenant of salt? That was really interesting to me, that verse. Um, the Lord tells us to have salt in ourselves and be at peace one with another. Mark nine fifty. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his, its his saltiness or saltness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. In the Lord's teachings, it is also symbolic of that spiritual health and vigor essential to Christian virtue and counteractive of the corruption that is in the world. Matthew 5.13 Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, Wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Every meal offering was to contain salt, and it was to be offered with all offerings presented by Israelites and emblematic of the holiness of Christ and a betokening and as betokening the reconciliation provided for man by God on the ground of the death of Christ. Leviticus 2.13 And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou, shalt thou season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the, of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from, from thy meat offering. With all thine offerings thou shalt offer salt. And when I read that, I thought of um, 
years ago, um, right after Rick and I got married, um, we immediately moved up to Indiana. And after five long years, I said, you gotta take me home, it's too cold. <laughs> five long years. And so, but we, we were living up there, and so we had come down and picked up his kids and took them back up to stay a couple of weeks with us in the summer. And Richard, who's the middle one, um, he was nine, I think, nine or 10, and um, he loves cornbread. And so he called me at work and he said, is it okay if I make some cornbread? And I'm like, sure. And so he's reading the directions to me and he said, well, it says here that salt is optional. And I said, no, it's not optional. You put the salt in there. <laughs> so he was like, okay. And he made his cornbread and enjoyed it. But, um, you know, some things we don't need salt for, but me, I put it on fruit because I think it just enhances the flavor of fruit. So I put it on pretty much everything. But some people don't like the taste of salt and think that it, too much salt, yes, will ruin something. But um, for the most part, salt brings out the flavor of things. And so um, I told Richard, I said, no, not optional. Um, so... Um, Back to grace speech. God's grace gives wisdom to our words that we may know how, how we ought to answer every man. And Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Anybody have any comments on that area? Um, I'm going to go back a little bit. Um, for our 50th, my sister was here, and um, she was not well at the time. She's, she's fine now. But she was not well. It was an issue with mole spore poisoning in her body. Long story, but uh, she was really suffering. And um, we'd been talking a lot and on the phone and through email. And when she came, of course, we were talking a lot because I hadn't seen her in a long time. But, uh, and this is for all of you, and Nancy, of course, I'm thinking of you especially. Um, she would come to me um, off and on during that day that we celebrated. And she would say, um, you know, the people in your church... They talk to me, but they speak with such gracious words. And I was privy to some of the conversations. You know, I'm just standing on there as part of, you know, I'm listening. And, of course, I hear all of you all the time. You hear me. You know, I didn't think much about it. But she was very uh, taken with that. And she said, you know, I'm not myself. But she said, uh, they are so kind. And I feel, she didn't say healed, but she'd say, I feel, I feel very strong. And she mentioned you in particular. She talked about how you would speak with very gracious words to her. And of course, at the time, you know, I'm like, you know, I wasn't thinking about this. You know, I was just thinking about your personalities, you know, how you are. But uh, now that I hearken back on that, uh, you know, it was a topic of conversation that she talked with me about for a long time. 
even after she returned home, about the gracious words. The other person she talked about a lot, of course, was Pastor. Pastor prayed for her. And uh, <clears throat> she, uh, she, she embraces a lot of things. Um, prophecy is a new thing for her. And uh, but she is very accepting of that, and she was kind of overtaken by that because some of you did kind of speak looking ahead, you know, spoke prophetically to her, and you know she would say to me on the phone, you know, your friend, and she'd name you, uh, you know, they talked about this is what was going to happen, and you don't want Tammy it happen. So I just I just want to exhort all of you that uh, you know when we're together we don't see that growth in ourselves, in our spirit, and it's there. It's very evident. And um, the other word she used a lot was she thought that we were very wise. We were very wise people. That's what she was talking to me, I think. Oh, it had to be Stacy for sure. But no, really, I, I probably heard most of the names part, come up. The wise part. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think this is a beautiful lesson, and I think it's something that is very encouraging. You know, because you don't realize that you're actually sometimes conveying that. Well, you know, if we're going to be like, if we're going to follow the Lord's steps as a son, then, you know, our words and, <coughs> and our speech has to develop like his did. And, you know, his lips were graced with, or you know, grace was poured into his lips, and we should want that you know same thing, so that it will be a witness to those around us. And a lot of times, you know, the Lord punches that pause button, so I don't say something that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it wouldn't be a good witness to my coworkers, for example. Um, I wasn't going to say this, but it, it's. Um, even they have noticed, without me saying a thing, even they have noticed some uh, unfair treatment and uh, towards me, and, and they keep coming to me, and you know they're all upset about it, and and I, I just I just don't go there. I mean, that's one of the times that the Lord just hits that pause button, says, "Don't go there," because you know you get started, and before you know it, you're you're in agreement with. The things they're saying, and um, it's just not a good thing. And then your witness, you've diminished your witness because you know you've stepped into that same kind of talk and, and speech, and um, and so that's one of the main things. It's just an ongoing thing. It, you know, it has been for a couple of years now, and it's just like. We should and and I, you know, I, you know, I had to be, you know, what you're on stuff, but they would get all done, you know, and, you know, everybody heard it, and then they'd look at me and they'd go, oh, Tammy, I'm sorry. <laughs> they would, they'd apologize. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I was kind of like you, oh, I think my button was on pause, too, because I was like, okay, I can't go there. I'm not going to cast my pearls before swine, you know. I'm just not going to say anything. You know, because we're, we're being watched. Everywhere we go, everything we do is, is we're being read like a book. And if we want our example to be like that of a son, if we want to demonstrate that before others, 
and um, then, you know, sometimes he has to hit that pause button. <laughs> and uh, It's hard, though. I mean, mm -hmm. even just being in the world, but also, like, in the, in the political arena with media and all that, and, I mean, I'm super careful about commenting or saying anything. I just, I just watch. But then sometimes I, I think, you know, where's your voice? Because there's also almost like bullying to the church that you're not mm -hmm. being a voice. You're not being the salt of the earth out there. And it's just, yeah. it's really, there's such a fine line there of getting in the midst of the narrative and, and your salt losing its savor by just the disgust and the frustration that you feel in the midst of it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think we really, these last couple of years, I mean, it's been such a huge test. And, and that's the sad thing, I think, about our former president. Mm -hmm. And um, we don't need to go there, but <laughs> yeah. So you can just see how the enemy is using it and how easy it is just with media the way that it is, how it's, it's like a, a trap. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially in the world today and the direction that we're being taken, yeah. our nation is being taken, it's easy to, you know, voice an opinion and then, um, but like you, I don't, at work, I just don't go there and um, they know what I believe and you know, I, I let them say their thing, but um, now if, if, if they say something that's just blatantly anti-God, then I speak up. But if it's just their opinion and my opinion, I just, I just don't go there. But, um, but you know, I think the Lord, <coughs> our speech needs to be that of a son and um, like, like Jesus because we, we want to follow him in every aspect of, of the walk. <coughs> and then, um, oh, please do. Um, well, along those same lines, I, I just think that, too, that the hour in which we are living, there are a lot of um, negative things that are happening, that it would be easy to always call that just something the enemy's doing or that bad person is doing this or that when we have to be people who are understanding the times and understanding what God is doing. I mean, through the end times, it's all going to be bad. Mm -hmm. So what is our agreement going to be? Right. You know, it's just going to be, our voice has to be used just in alignment with how God wants to use us, not to, not to try to argue our point or to change circumstances because God may not be calling us to try to change any circumstance or, right. you know, to make a political stand regarding something that's happening in the natural. And I think, you know, the way I've kind of regarded the times in which we're living, <coughs> you know, particularly as they have accelerated or become more pronounced in these last, since COVID, I guess, our eyes were really open to, to really, I, I know for me, I never knew how things would, could happen. You know, it says with, you know, that a whole world would do something and you know, turn on a dime, and we watched that happen. Mm -hmm. And certainly it wasn't to the degree that we will see or that will happen one day, whether we see it or not. But it still showed us how the enemy has that 
far-reaching influence and is able to change a thing. And I think it kind of woke us up to, oh my God, this can really happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just watched this. And so I don't look at political things the way I used to. I'm just looking for the purpose of the Lord in whatever it is. The rhetoric doesn't, just not interested in the rhetoric. rhetoric. Mm -hmm. So um, I do ignore a lot of it too, just because I don't want to hear it. I I, I do that too. I'm really a stick my head in the sand. But I also know that my ears don't need to hear a lot of it. The information is not really important. I mean, I think a lot of it's important for pastor because he kind of keeps abreast of what's going, but I don't, for me, I know what my purpose is, and it's not really important for me to know all those details Mm -hmm. every day and to excite myself because I'm excitable through those things. And so anyway, I'm just saying it's kind of funny that I know we have been trained to see things with spiritual eyes, Mm -hmm. not just looking at every natural event or incident through what's, you know, the chaos and, and it's just awful. It is just you know awful. I mean? It is awful. It but, is. You know, where do we stand? We just stand with how the, what the Lord wants to do through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Plus it goes back to what you said, Nancy, earlier about the pause button. That's so prophetic because that's the sila. And, and that is really so much of, I think, um, our intercessory lifestyle going forward. It's like the pause button is not just to sit back and do nothing and wait and just keep our mouth shut. The pause button is say, okay, how does the Lord want us to pray through this tension to bring a resolve or to speak, Mm -hmm. you know, to persuade or whatever into circumstances and into things like that. And I think we should all have that pause button in us (laughs) and let the Lord's finger be on it continuously because it is so easy to take a step back and say, hmm. Well, too, also to use our voice where the power really lies, which right. is intercession. It's not in that conversation necessarily. No. It's, it's that's a, who we are. That's who we are. That's what we're called, how we're called to function in, on this earth through all this. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It, it is, you know, for us, it's a, it's a Sela moment. And, you know, the Lord may be developing something, something he's spoken, he wants to develop. And we just spend our time before the Lord you know, thanking him for what he spoke and, you know, knowing and believing and trusting that um, he's going to fulfill in his time. And, um, Plus and it draws into the whole grace mm-hmm. because, you know, that's part of his spirit is grace and supplication. And it just, you know, it draws in that whole principle of grace in the midst of it. That yeah. we're partnering with his grace in supplication on behalf of what is needed in that moment or in that season or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just, he's just so perfect. And, and, <laughs> and in it, he's <coughs> teaching us patience, you know, yeah. first sign of the apostolic. <laughs> so, you know, we have to learn that. We have to learn the patience and, and the waiting. And, um, but in the waiting, we, we just trust. And uh, he gives us that grace to, to trust and to wait. And then in his timing, you know, he will do what he... I think the Lord has really given you grace to, to uh, put up with what you put up with. 
know, in the workplace. I don't mean Greg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even hear my mind. I'm glad you clarified. See, the pause is she's just reloading. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of times the, the workplace is sort of uh, the adult version of the schoolyard. And the bully doesn't like to have pushback. Mm-hmm. And as we hit the pause button, as you say, uh, spiritually, we're not pushing back. Well, the Holy Spirit may push back, but that's God's decision. Right. And it takes His, it takes more His wisdom. It takes more wisdom than what we have. So it takes God's wisdom to help us to work through that because there is an attack. Mm-hmm. And it's attacked because of who we are. If we push back, we're on our own. When, yeah. If we push back when we're not supposed to. On the other hand, if we don't stand, we've moved out from the leadership of the Holy Spirit as well. Mm-hmm. And so it, it requires an intelligence that is far greater than ours and an understanding mm-hmm. and a spiritual um, leading that something we will never have on our own. It's got to come from Christ, from the Holy Spirit, I should mm-hmm. say. And, and uh, whether it's a social atmosphere or a work atmosphere or no matter what it is, we're going to get the attack. And it's not because God wants us to be attacked. It's because we live for him and he knows an attack is going to come because he's experienced it himself through Christ. And so uh, we're living, we've got to live through that attack through him. Right. And, and it's very hard. There's been times when I have, there's been times when I haven't. And I felt like I lost when I haven't. Right. And won when I did. And you know, like you were saying, the, um, it's got to be by His Spirit. I mean, you know, sometimes the best answer is just to, or the best thing to do is just not to say something and let the Holy Spirit work, and He will make the situation right. Yeah, that's hard. It's hard, but all, we can do all things through Christ. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had just a couple more verses that I wanted to share. Um, one is Proverbs twenty two eleven. He that loveth pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. And then Ecclesiastes 10, verse 12. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. So sometimes we just need to, you know, shut our mouths and let the Spirit work and and do what he desires to do through a situation and um, <clears throat> you know it's my prayer that <clears throat> we'll let our words be permeated with his grace and um, and that he'll he'll season our speech with the salt that we need and and the salt of righteousness and godliness and insight um, <clears throat> that we that our lives would impact. <clears throat> excuse me, um, all who hear us speak, 
and um, <clears throat> you know the there's the final verse I'll mention I didn't put it on the sheet but um, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable to him and um, <clears throat> and acceptable to um, moving forward in his purpose and so are there any further comments? I appreciate the comments this morning. I thought I remembered, um, I can't remember now that you, you did this, I don't know if it's one of your verses, so I apologize for that because I, at the time I didn't zero in on it, but something that just came to mind was a verse that was spoken of a while back about the sacrifice requiring the salt. Every sacrifice yeah. has to be seasoned with salt. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know at that that season of life, I remember there being a lot of refinement, you know, kind of being the sacrifice, feeling like you're the sacrifice and the burning or whatever. And I, I know at the time I felt like, you know, we really never leave that process of being a sacrifice that we offer to the Lord. And every sacrifice has to be seasoned with salt. That is. And that salt is our ongoing commit, uh, commitment, our ongoing passion, our ongoing um, really surrender to the process. That's the salt that we offer. Mm-hmm. And when you lose that, when you lose the desire to to give those things or to be willing to endure those things, that's when things become bland. They don't have, you know, there's no flavor. There's no. You know, so it's, it is something that we bring to the sacrifice that we offer, I guess, is what I was thinking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that kind of intrigued me when I, when I read that, too. Um, I, I mean, I just never thought about every sacrifice um, being salted. And um, there was something else in that. Was that the meat offering? Yeah. The meat offering? Yeah. What was the meat offering for? Uh, the meat offering was for... I mean, I know there was waves and heaves, and <laughs> but the, and it was like a sweet savory um. <laughs> <laughs> And then meat. <laughs> but I... Yeah. yeah. Um, in this Vine's definition, it says, Every meal offering was to contain salt, and it was offered with all offerings presented by Israelites, as emblematic of the holiness of Christ and betokening the reconciliation provided for man by God on the ground of the death of Christ. Yeah, that is so interesting because it was a sweet savor before the Lord. And I guess it added to the smell for him, which is the same like you were saying about our offering before the Lord, our sacrificial offering before mm-hmm. the Lord. It has to be, it has to have that element of salt. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I remembered when I guess we were just talking about that is the, the thing I think that Pastor said about the salt being a point of value, That's that was how they, it was a point of commerce, right? Mm-hmm, so salt mm-hmm. had a lot of value. So if you add that to that com- component, that means you're giving what has value yeah. to you. Yeah. So. Great, great comments. Um, it's interesting that um, Y'all probably know this, but Grand Saline, just going east off I-20, um, 
I think I read when we, we were there one time, I think I read that it's the salt capital of the world. That's where Morton Salt is. Um, but it's interesting that it's in our state. <laughs> Saline, isn't that salty it's, uh, something? Um, by foreigners. <laughs> that makes sense. That mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. That's why it's grand. Yeah. Grand salt. Grand salt. Which saline is what I use in my eyes every single day. And of course, it has to do with my vision, corrective vision for me. But yeah, I mean, that makes All perfect sense. Yeah. And it's in nose spray. <laughs> and using that too, just shoving it all in there. Shove it all in. <laughs> so Texas is the salt of the earth. Absolutely. I think so. We knew that already. Yeah. But then the finest salt, I think, comes from Europe, maybe or. Maybe the Middle East, the sea salt. Isn't that the finest, the finest salt, according to Google? <laughs> and then there's Himalayan salt. Well, Himalayan salt, yeah. And you can purchase it, purchase it off the shelf, yep. and it's hundreds of thousands of years old. It's but pretty. It's, and it's pretty. An date. And it's got an expiration date on there. But. But yeah, it's pretty. It That's funny. It's older than the hills, but it's still going <laughs> to die in your shelf. Why does shelf? it have an expiration It's not going to make it in your shelf. It makes so much sense. <laughs> yep. I think they're just required to do that by the, the FDA, which is a trustworthy government company. <laughs> <laughs> Oversight. Yes. Not. I know they have my, my goodwill at heart <laughs> when they make all their decisions. Well, thank you, everybody, for your <coughs> comments and, and interjections. And um, with that, my lesson is complete. So.